Today's episode will be intriguing for practice owners who have professional associates or who are looking to take on another associate, whether or not you engage them as contractors, employees or service providers, and also covers some common examples of practices with long-serving associates without written agreements and its possible ramifications. Hey everybody! Kramer, he's just a dentist. Yeah, and you're an anti-dentist. You're a veterinarian? That's right. I myself was a dentist. I was proud to be a dentist. I did not hide the fact that I was a dentist. If we give up our dental plan, I'll have to pay for Lisa's braces. I'll take a bet over an MD any day. They gotta be able to cure a lizard, a chicken, a pig, a frog, all on the same. The Health Lawyer Podcast. Okay. Hello everyone, today we are going to be discussing how should my associates be engaged and is it a prudent time to ensure our practices are in check, particularly on the documentation front. So I'm commonly queried on engagement structures for health practitioners, the risks benefits of engaging health practitioners they do need to be discussed with your with with lawyers i commonly see employment independent contractor and service provider engagements uh, that's engaged under employment agreements contractor agreements or service facility agreements it's also dependent on the health industry you're involved with dentists are leaning towards services facility agreements these days there's veterinarians that are predominantly employment but there, there is a mix and there is a, a fluid model that that, are, that accountants and lawyers do like to follow uh, within the industries so not notwithstanding the stage of your practice career and whether you're selling or you're starting up you're buying, you're stewarding your existing practice, expanding, or you're taking on a new associate, it's highly recommended that your associate has a written agreement. Handshake agreements are not commercial and they can leave you quite exposed. There are certain statutes that deem associates or professionals to be employees, notwithstanding the status that you might think that they have. Yeah, the, the deeming nature of those statutes in certain circumstances can be, unfortunately, uh, uh, critical elements in, in decision-making for how you proceed with your next associate. So if you're unsure as to the precise engagement structure or if your current practice structure engages, engages associates under, say, a contractor agreement or an SFA, then you should really consider uh, the following quality matrix that we'll go, go through as a guide to ascertain the true relationship between you and your engaged associate under common law. Again, we're discussing professional staff here, so not really uh, applicable to assistance reception. So the quality matrix is is my term, I, I like to define that between employees and contractors or service providers. So we'll start on the employees. So employees have a, a very low control 
of their of the practice of their profession they have a, have they pra- employees practice under under your control and your dictation as the principal uh, employees equipment and consumables supplies they're provided and paid by you they are exclusive to you as well so they're not pra- they're practicing full-time with you no other practice their ability to delegate is low their risk is low and they're insured by you and they're also paid by you and remunerated for hours worked so as they're paid by you their superannuation is paid by you directly to their nominated fund and you're paying the tax as well they're entitled employees are entitled to annual leave long service leave personal leave etc fair work really critical on that end so they're the they're the, the key elements of employees in in the quality matrix now we look at the contractor uh, services providers their control of practice of their profession as contrasted with the employees is quite high or effective total control the practitioner under a contractor agreement or a service provider essentially is running their own practice within your practice they use their own equipment and consumables or they bring their own to your practice or they engage you to provide them support services even though it's within your own practice they may or they're very likely work at multiple practices unlike employees who are exclusive to you the the service provider delegation ability is quite high uh, but that comes with a very high level of, of risk and contractors they're responsible and liable for patient claims and they carry their own insurance they profit from each patient on the completion of each task and they invoice uh, you for work completed. Their superannuation is paid, likely paid by you as part of their package directly to the practitioner. So the element of their, their commission or their, however they are paid uh, for their services, that element is paid directly to the commissioner, who the, to, to, the, to the practitioner who then subsequently pays it to their own, pays their super to their own nominated fund. Compare this to employees, clearly it's paid by you directly to their nominated fund. They're also, uh, contractors, service providers are not entitled to annual leave, long service leave and personal leave. Now that might be uh, part of the deal, part of their commission that it's, it's yeah, that they might be paid a little bit more to to uh, encompass their, those in, those entitlements, but they would be pseudo entitlements. They wouldn't be entitled to anything extra. So, how are your associates engaged then? Do your associates have contracts, or are they merely handshake agreements? Are they an employee? or a contractor or a practitioner conducting a practice by way of engaging a service provider being you the owner to provide support services to them within your practice 
what happens if your associate considers themselves as an employee when you consider them otherwise? So let's get into a common example. The Consider the ramifications of your 15-year associate, your long server, without a signed agreement. Say a handshake agreement may well have been all that was in place in 2005, 2006. The percentage, let's say, is 40% payments that were uh, were agreed upon, and yeah, everything everything was rosy. You now, 15 years later, you now decide to sell your practice for a million dollars. Congratulations. You also have two casual nurses, or assistants, and a receptionist who have been with you for let's say three years. Let's park them for the time being. We'll get back to that. So what's the common problem? As part of the practice sale due diligence, well, we, I'm, I'm querying the associate's engagement status. It's a handshake agreement. There's no written agreement. Sorry. Antenna is raised. Risk element is there. What's the commercial risk we're looking at? I'm asking you for a list of employee entitlements for your casual staff. And I'll be asking for a brief on your associate's tenure. We'll bring those casuals back in for, for the time being. We park them before, let's bring them back. There's minimal long service leave contingency on your, uh, on your casuals. And yes, casuals accrue long service leave. This is remarkably unknown by practice owners. So let's go back to your long server. Your long server's remuneration is 40%. Let's say it's including super. You then make a comment and often these minor comments, yeah, they do turn into surprise sale issues. So your comment is that your long server believes that they've been engaged as an employee 15 years ago, that they've found out about the sale somehow, and they expect back pay for long service leave. I'm red flags I'm thinking okay if long service leave is expected then annual leave and sick leave entitlements may also be a consideration now I'm not going to go into the additional possibility of tax and payroll implications but that's the, compli the complicating issue then comes after this I inquire that you have in fact been paying superannuation to your long server's fund rather than directly to the long server. And as discussed in the quality matrix, that's an indicator that the engagement you have is one of employment. So if your long server is in fact deemed an employee, 15 years worth of leave entitlements will be adjusted down against the purchase price. This could be $50,000 and rising. If they have to look at their, look at the tenure, look at their, how their proposed hourly rates, or if they have hourly rates, you, it could be a significantly more. So, how do you protect yourself?
Well, written agreements are key, so call me. <laughs> it's not uncommon for practices to engage associates hastily without recording the terms of their engagement and, and subsequently having a later dispute about that engagement, which can lead to fair work complaints and litigation. So stay away from this. It's not, there's no point in the hassle of this. To the listeners who are feeling a, a sense of unease about their existing professional practitioner engagements, it's not too late to create an agreement with an acknowledgement of its effective commencement date, be it one or five years ago. So if you are about to engage an associate, well, speak to your lawyer, speak to me, run through the quality matrix, my quality matrix, Ascertain whether you are leaning towards an employee or a contractor, service provider. Speak to your accountant because your accountant knows your model, knows what they want to see, the structure that is in place, and how the practitioner is going to fit into that structure, fit into that model. Agree to the terms of the engagement with the, or in, in principle, with your, your new associate and contact me to ensure that an appropriate written agreement is in place. If you're looking at fresh uh, practitioners, they're fairly savvy these days. Uh, most practitioners expect to be signing a, an agreement. Um, they, there may be some back and forth over the syntax of the agreement but it is generally uh, generally industry standard for the practitioner incoming practitioner to be, be be engaged by way of a written agreement and on the flip side as i mentioned before it, you don't have to seriously stress <laughs> whether or not they've been there 15 years or not speak to us we can get, formulate a plan with you if you've got a practitioner who's been there for five years unsigned that's that again you you had uh it was it was late late in december there was hundreds of, of uh patients seen uh, and you just didn't have time to to nut nut it down or didn't have time to even sign the agreement or sign you had you have you have general terms by way of email sure that all helps but it's not the. It's not going to be. Um, if you if you get in early, if you if you contact us, you, we can work something out. We can get the the skeleton terms of your agreement, and we can create an agreement with an acknowledgement of its effective commencement date of it five years ago. So it's not the end. It's not the end. We can we can work with it. If you haven't got something signed, we can work with with you and the practitioner to get. Uh, a more formal relationship uh, documented. Again, don't feel too much unease about this. Let's talk. Give us a call. Uh, my contact details are in the podcast uh, description. Remember to like, share and subscribe this uh, for this episode. And thank you for listening.